Uh, coming to sermon, I made three promises. Three promises. The first promise was to the youth that it will be short. Second promise. <laughs> second promise was to Pekeni. I said there was only going to be one point. And third promise was to myself and in general that I would not make any jokes about sub points to that one point. Um, but I guess I already broke one of the promises. We'll see about the other two. <laughs> Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we just uh, come here, come humbly to you, um, Lord, and we just want to lift you up, we just want to worship you, we just want to praise you, and Lord, we just thank you for this time where we can just explore uh, your words, where we can get to know you better, and Lord, I pray that you speak through me, um, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit touch uh, the people, um, and Lord, uh, nothing out of my mouth from myself, but Lord, all from you, and Lord, I just pray that you open uh, the hearts and ears, um, Lord, we just thank you, pray all this in Jesus' most precious name. All right, and so as promised, my sermon, there is only one point. And to be really honest and to avoid accusations of plagiarism, I am going to uh, let you know that this point is actually from one of the greatest, if not the greatest teacher of all time. And I'm going to read word for word. And so here, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. All right, that concludes the sermon. Snacks are at the back. Worship team, you guys can, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not that short, but um, essentially there's only one point needed. Blessed are those uh, who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you guys, I'm sure, are all very familiar with the Beatitudes. I'm going to read. Uh, thank you for the verses up. I'm going to read all of them, and if you guys could follow along, this is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 12. I am reading from the NIV version. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Um, Next, thank you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted uh, persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, as we uh, look at this text, we, I'm sure most of us are very familiar with the Beatitudes, right? Um, we see, um, blessed are, da-da-da, for, da-da-da. If we keep thinking in this way, if we look at it this way, it's like conditions. If you guys know uh, programming, it's like the if condition. If this, then something will happen. Uh, if we complete, accomplish A, we'll get B. If we are A, we have B. So naturally, uh, at least for some of us, we would think, that um, through the Beatitudes or through life, um, there are some things we need to do so that we can get this or that, right? And so like how we see sometimes see the world, it is very give and take. You have to give something to get something. Uh, which is why I would propose that the first Beatitude is so important in how we direct our worldview. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, if you guys could look on the screen, there is a word I want to share with you. This word is, you probably see it quite often these few weeks, starting from maybe last two or three weeks ago. This word is called fo in Cantonese or fu in Mandarin. This word, for those of you who don't know Chinese, means give me money. And for those who do know Chinese, it means blessed, bliss, or uh, good fortune. It is quite an interesting word. 
All right, so in Chinese, it's usually, uh, the Chinese word is usually split into two halves, the left half and the right half. So if you see on the screen, uh, the left half of the word uh, looks a little bit like this. <laughs> and so this is called the radical. And this, this specific one is radical number 113. Uh, this is the same word, uh, same radical, or the same left half that you will find for the word God, son, or son, right? And why is that so? Because the radical, or the left half of the word, is usually um, a semantic indicator, meaning that the meaning of the word is usually derived from the left half. And so the left half, in its original form, is actually um, a word that is related to ancestors and veneration. If we look at the original Chinese writing, which is called the oracle bone script, like a long time ago when uh, Chinese drawing looked more like a drawing than words, um, this word actually looks like two hands offering wine to the altar. The word blessing, I didn't know this before I did my research, is actually, even the English word, is actually very religious. The word blessing even though we here use it so often, use it as an everyday vocabulary, has to do with the divine. If you look into the dictionary right now, or you go Google and say, define blessing, you will see that it is from God. Blessings are from God. So the idea of blessing coming from a higher being, even with the Chinese word, fo, or blessing, um, we're offering something to God so that we can get something from him. We're offering something to the altar so that whatever comes from that offering it's called a blessing. But the biggest difference for our belief is that our blessing doesn't come from what we offer. Now, uh, as PCM shared just now, I worked as a flight attendant a while back. And as part of what we do when all the passengers are asleep, because I fly to Finland, so it's like a relatively long flight, 10 hours. We work the first four, latter four. In the middle, there's like some time uh, when the passengers are all asleep and stuff. Uh, so what do we do? We talk. And in one of the conversations I had with my old colleagues, uh, we were talking about, we got into the topic of future spouses or future partners. And there was this one colleague who, uh, as we were talking, we were like, oh, what kind of um, spouse would you want to look for? And they were like, oh, my future spouse doesn't have to be rich. Just so as long as they're not poor. And not poor, meaning that they have a car, they have a house, they have a yak, they have a jet, and so on. Now, obviously, this was said in jest. It was to elicit laughter. But I'm not sure if it was fully joking. Being poor isn't something that we look to, isn't something that we aim for, isn't something that we want to be, and at least not according to earthly logic. So what does being poor in spirit really mean? Why are we looking to be poor in spirit? Um, as I was, I was doing my uh, research, as I was looking into the scripture, as I was looking into other sources of uh, information for, uh, to find out what the poor in spirit means, one of my greatest resources being Google, I typed in, what does being poor in spirit mean? And one of the articles that came up came from Billy Graham. In response to this exact question, what is being poor in the spirit, he writes, we must be humble in our spirits. If you put the word humble 
in place of the word poor, you will understand what he meant. What he meant. That's quite a simple explanation. And to be fair to him, I don't think Billy Graham just took a random word, say humble, just to replace the word poor. Because if we look, uh, as I found into the Bible, we see that the Greek translators, or the people who translated the Old Testament into Greek, use this word, the word poor, um, in 2 Samuel 22:28. I'm going to read the verse. It says, uh, to Second Samuel 2.28. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. And so this word that was used to describe poor, this Greek word, um, was used to translate the word humble from the Old Testament into, uh, and that's how we got humble. And so I think Billy Graham, in his using of the word humble, is also, it's also uh, kind of biblical. And so as much, but... As much as humble could at least describe being poor in spirit, I think it's a little too general for me personally. And so, because what is being humble anyway, right? What is being humble in the spirit? And so, as I continue looking, uh, Charles Spurgeon, in his writing, God With Us, Reflection on the Incarnation, he writes, The first link between my soul and Christ is not my goodness, but my badness, not my merit, but my misery, not my standing, but my falling, not my riches, but my need. The need. Let's keep this word in mind, need. And then Tim Keller uh, offers this comparison. He's, uh, there, he's comparing between two things. Poor in spirit and middle class in spirit. What is poor in spirit? Poor in spirit is seeing that you are deeply in debt before God and that you have no ability to even begin to redeem yourself. What is middle class in spirit? It's you feel like you've earned a certain standing with God through your hard work. So as much as this world might be, the kingdom of heaven is not a give or take. It is not a if conditional. It's not if so, then that. Rather, it is the acknowledgement of our desperate need. A need that we cannot fulfill on our own. Um, one of my house church members used this word. Uh, when he was described uh, to describe our house church, and this word, when he first used it, it was quite shocking to me. I was like, "Hmm, I wouldn't generally use this word to describe myself, or I don't think I've ever used this word to describe myself at all. I don't use this word as my common vocabulary. Maybe that's just because my vocabulary is not that great. But this word he used was shocking initially so the word that they used was elite we are the elite like whoa what what does that mean nowhere near the elite but if you look at the numbers if you look at statistics the fact that we are here in an english-speaking church in um, being able to understand english in hong kong that already puts us in a rather elite position right and so um, when did initial shock wears off? When we look at the numbers, when we look, I started to see, oh, that is true. My initial definition of the word elite might not be this, but to some others, that is basically what I am. Um, I added this part just for you. If you guys seen reels and, or TikToks or um, like shorts on YouTube, and there's like recently this trend where people go like, oh, we're elites. 
we don't need any help from other people. And then, or, and then the other person go, oh, we're elites. Um, and then something, something, something. And then, but then there's also a counter trend where they go, oh, we're elites. We don't need help from other people. And then the other person go, oh, we're elites. Um, we're missing out on things that we don't know. And then the other guy goes, oh, wait, you're supposed to say something good, not something bad. That's essentially what's happening here. Because we are elites, because we are middle class, because we are not poor, we are missing something. When we do not come to terms with the idea that there are things where we cannot only rely on ourselves for, when we cannot come to terms with the idea or even when we have no, we have absolutely no ability to accomplish certain things, we might be missing out on something much more valuable. So what is this? What is this kingdom of heaven? What is so important that I have to be poor in spirit? Um, it's part of youth, and I know some of them hate it. Uh, I introduced this app called the Blue Letter Bible. <laughs> it's very useful because what happens is if, if you go to the Blue Letter Bible app or the website, you click, in, click into the uh, Bible verse, you do a study, you click they show you all the original uh, text. For example, if we're doing New Testament, they'll show you all the words in Greek. And so because I'm not a Greek scholar myself, all I have to do is click on the number representing that word and the whole page showing the translation, showing the definition, showing the uh, lexicon, showing the uses, showing some parts of like um, commentaries. Uh, they all pop up on one page. It's great. You've hated because it looks like homework. Um, but it's awesome when I can go into the word and the word kingdom of heaven if I only look at the um, dictionary definition. It's, it, it just means realm of God's dwelling. Realm of God's dwelling or uh, where God lives. But it's something much more than just that, right? And so therefore I decided as part uh, of the study to look further. And as part of, in the app, other than all the definitions and all that, it also shows every single time that word appears in the Bible. So you don't have to go flip, flip, flip and find a word yourself. Technology is great. Um, and so the, word, the words kingdom of heaven uh, actually, if we look in the New Testament, only appears in Matthew. Matthew is the only author of all the Gospels to use the words kingdom of heaven. The other uh, writers use kingdom of God. So my first question, obviously, is what's the difference? What's the difference between kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God? Um, we see that actually Matthew also uses kingdom of God. And, I, and a lot of scholars believe that it's interchangeable. And there are also some scholars who believe because of Matthew's primary uh, audience, who are the Jews, um, the kingdom of heaven was used so that the Jews are not confused and that he is specifically referring to the kingdom that is not here because the Jews were waiting for a Messiah on earth, right? And so for an earthly kingdom. But using the words kingdom of heaven, Matthew could point that this is something that is the realm of where God reigns outside of just earth. And so as I look through all the references to kingdom of heaven, I split them into three groupings. The first grouping is to enter the kingdom of heaven what the requirements were. Um, first of all, we will need repentance. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, or in chapter 4, verse 17, repentance. Repent 
for the kingdom of God is near. Uh, we will need righteousness. Chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. We need righteousness. We need more righteousness. We need to be more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes. We need to do the will of the Father in chapter 7, verse 21. These are the basic requirements for the kingdom of heaven. Uh, who can enter the kingdom of heaven? If we look at chapter 8, verse 11, we see anyone. It's not limited to the Jews. Uh, in chapter 18, verse 1 to 4, it's for people who are humble, who are like kids, like children. In, verse, uh, in chapter 19, verses 23 to 24, who can enter the kingdom of heaven? It is difficult for the rich. rich. And then finally, why do we want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, first of all, it is good news. Chapter 10, verse 7. Second, it is highly valuable. The whole of chapter 13, we see parables after parables after parables talking about the kingdom of heaven and how it is like a treasure, it's like a pearl, it's like a field where people just sell everything just so they can get it. It is very highly valuable. Now, repentance, righteousness, to, for everyone, good news. It sounds really familiar, doesn't it? So it's, in its very essence, this is the gospel. And in that, it is very essential for us. It is much more, I believe, than just salvation. It is much more than just not going to hell. It is much more. It is the very presence of God. And it is the fullness of his glory. Time and time again in Matthew, we see, or even in the other gospels, we see how hard it is to receive or to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, giving up everything that we have just so we can have this field, just so we can have this pearl, just so we can have this treasure. It is very difficult even when we realize how valuable or how important it is. Um, unless we are poor in spirit. At one point, remember, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I would say that unless we are poor, we would not know the desperation of how important the kingdom of heaven is. Because what is rice to a person who is full? What is water to a person who is not thirsty? What is a blessing to a person who feels like they already own everything? They already have everything. Uh, would it be fair for me to say, or can I say, that unless we are poor in spirit, we are actually far, far away from the kingdom of heaven? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so for me, growing up, it was always easier to give than to receive. Um, I thought about it, and I was like, where does this come from? It, I don't think my parents taught me this way, but um, I've always learned to say no when people are giving me stuff at least three times, because that is the Chinese way. They have to offer it you once, and you have to say, oh, no, 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 it's okay. They offer it you again, you say, no, 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 it's okay. They offer you the third time, you say no, and then if they offer you to it you again, then it's yours. Then you can say, yes, thank you, because you've already done your duty of saying no three times, right? Um, I don't know where that came from, I was, but I was always thought, taught that I need to be generous. So being generous was a lot easier than being able to receive. And so there's a song that perfectly describes the type of life that I was, I was envisioning that I thought, if I lived like this, uh, I would have nothing to be ashamed of when I die. 
Um, if P. Nate was the one preaching here, he could sing for you guys, but unfortunately, I don't sing it as well. Um, and also, I feel like when I was reading through the lyrics, I feel like this song was written by a firstborn child. So um, I'm going to read the last verse of this whole song, see if you guys can recognize it. For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he is not. Not to say the things that he truly feels and not the words of someone who kneels. Let the record show I took all the blows. Can anybody finish the last line? That's right. (laughs) And I did it my way. (laughs) Wow. Knows the song, knows the lyrics. I mean, it's quite unfortunate because this song is 100% Bob. I love it. Uh, it means that it's really good, in case you guys didn't speak Gen Z. <laughs> but be it the pride, or be it the self-reliance, or be it the pride of self-reliance, uh, of I made, I made it, I'm self-made, I did it my way, it actually just leads to one thing. It is preventing me from being able to be truly blessed. So has anyone here, my question being is, have you ever been truly blessed? What is a true blessing? It is definitely not something you can buy. And so like I shared in the beginning, um, I am in a season of loss, meaning that I've been only giving out red packets and not getting back anything in return. That is, for me, it's true blessing because I'm not expecting anything in return. Um, Because if you give, expecting something in return, it's just a loan. But on the other side, if you receive something, and this is for sure for me, if you receive something and you feel like you're obligated to return it, be it maybe your friend treats you to a meal, you feel like you have to get the next one, or if they did something nice to you, you feel like you owe them. If you are obligated by your own conscience to give something back, then essentially you're just buying what you received. It's not a gift. And so the gospel is free, but it's not cheap. The kingdom of heaven is free, but it is not cheap. Not cheap, firstly, in the sense that it's paid for. Jesus paid it with the ultimate price. He came, he gave up his riches, he became poor, and then he died on the cross for us. It's not cheap. His life was not cheap. But secondly, also, it's not cheap in the sense that we can never buy it. We can never buy the kingdom of heaven. Uh, If you guys could turn to Acts 8 with me. um, Or if not, I will read it. But in Acts 8, we see a character um, called Simon. Uh, Not Peter, but Simon the sorcerer. And so in Acts 8, I shall read... From verse 9. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, 
in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that a spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Just like how Simon the sorcerer uh, tried to buy the gift of God, let us not fall into the trap of believing that we can buy God's grace, that we can buy the kingdom of heaven, that we can buy our entrance. See, when we talk about buying, it doesn't necessarily mean money. It doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I'm uh, paying away my sins. I am uh, giving money so that I could receive more. Um, that, I mean, it's the easy part. But not buying also means that we are not doing actions like going to church, like religious activities, like praying, like reading the Bible, and using it to buy God's grace. I'm not saying that you don't do them. But like what Peter said to Simon, um, your heart is not right before God. We have to check our hearts. Are we staying here right now in the sanctuary because you're a good Christian? Or are we here because we were, uh, we're desperate for God? You might say, but Caleb, what now? It's not like I can force myself to be desperate, Right? It's not like I can make myself suddenly poor in spirit. And I say that's absolutely true. There's nothing you could do. But there is also no need to. Um, Let me show you a person who was wealthy, but also poor in spirit. And so this is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus might be very familiar with you guys. And it's in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. And so as we go to Zacchaeus, it is also interesting to um, note that the author of Matthew is Matthew, who was also a tax collector. So Matthew, the person who wrote the verse, was also not like physically poor. But anyway, let's go to Zacchaeus, Luke 19, verse 1. And so Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone 
to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What caused the change? Meeting Jesus did. And so, though as much as I would love to meet Jesus face to face right now, um, he has not returned the second time yet. But, no worries, because in John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We have the Holy Spirit to remind us, to change us. And so as I invite the worship team up, as they lead us in a song, this is the song that we sang just now, Forever Rain, Rain Forever, Forever Rain. (laughs) Um, During the chorus, I hope it's the chorus, that's the chorus, right? Okay, it's the chorus. During the chorus, it really aptly describes what um, the attitude, what spot or what outlook of uh, how we should be approaching uh, the Lord. And so as we sing, let's keep in mind uh, and sing with the lyrics in mind, not just our mouth moving. (laughs) Right? So... You are 
thing to truly understand that, um, to truly understand how great, how glorious God is, how amazing His presence is. We have to um, first know or understand the desperation in which we will seek it. And so, um, we'll open up the altar and instead of just offering things instead of offering things in hope of a blessing what we're going to do is we're going to offer ourselves offer ourselves as living sacrifice we are not putting anything other than ourselves to offer God and maybe um, for us who have not had the blessing being able of knowing what his presence is like, his embrace is like. I think uh, we could also pray that God would just, the Holy Spirit would just touch you. Come Holy Spirit. desperately want to seek. Lord, help us, Holy Spirit. We just ask. We just ask that as you come, as you touch us, as you fill us, as you embrace us, Lord. As we get to know how glorious you are, as we get to know and experience the fullness of who you are and your love for us, Lord. Help us. Help us not be self-sufficient because we are only um, sufficient under you. So Lord, I just want to lift this time up to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that, Lord, you've done it all for us, Lord. There's nothing that we can add, Lord, to the finished work of Christ. And so for that, we're grateful. So would you come, Holy Spirit, and would you, Lord, touch us in a deeper way, God, that you cause us, Lord, to come to grips with the the deeper understanding, Lord, that we need you. Forgive us, God, for our self-sufficiency, Lord. Forgive us for looking to our own strengths. God, we want to be desperate. Lord, especially, Lord, this week when we go and see our family and friends, God, during this holiday. Lord, they are desperate, but they may not even know it. And so would you use us, God, to share Christ. Lord, bless all the conversations, God, all the different, Lord, meal times, Lord, as the families would gather together. 
and let Christ, God, be preached powerfully, Lord. Thank you. In fact, if we could just take a moment right now. It's really like the Lord just wants us to just intercede for a moment. Many of you will go uh, to your families and friends, and you'll have celebrations and meal times, and and a lot of your family and friends don't know Jesus. Uh, can we pray for these precious moments, these times where there's celebration, that there'll always be also be a reflection on our lives before the cross? So can we do that? Let's just lift our voices right now. Let's just pray. Let's intercede. If they're your uncles, or your parents, your brothers and sisters, let's lift them up by name and say, Lord, not only you can do this, God, you have the word of salvation. Well, let's pray. Let's intercede right now. Father, the scriptures tell us that the enemy has blinded the eyes of those that do not believe. Lord, we're asking, God, that through, Lord, conversations, through, God, just interactions, Lord, that their eyes would be open. They would see the glory of God and they would believe. Lord, use our church, God, use our members and their lives as a testimony, God. Lord, as a sign, Father, of of a life that's changed, God. And so we thank you. We thank you in advance, Lord, for many ways you're going to touch people, God, throughout this lunar holiday. Uh, We thank you, Lord. We're so grateful, God. Lord, always, Lord, give us an opportunity to share the hope, God, that is within us, Lord. We thank you, God. We bless you, Lord. We love you, God. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to the Lord. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom from this day forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.